Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you may be in the world. Welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, guys. I'm your host, Matt Zapala. Now, this week's episode is a real milestone for me. It is episode number 50, and I'm super excited to be able to provide you guys with useful information on how to lead a more plant-conscious lifestyle for 50 episodes and counting now. Back in November of 2018, the thought of starting a podcast never crossed my mind, but thanks to my good friend and mentor, Dale Sidebottom, he helped me make it a reality. So a big thank you to you, legend. Thanks to all of you guys who listen to my voice each and every week. Your support has been incredible and I'm so humbled by it. So thank you guys so much. And I hope that I can still provide you with, you know, useful information to be able to, like I said before, lead a more plant conscious lifestyle and create more sustainable habits that can last a lifetime. Now let's get back to business. Guys, this week's guest is the closest thing to a monk without actually being a monk. This man is a meditation guru and his name is Scott Doughty. Scott was trying to climb the corporate ladder for a number of years when he burnt out from the go-go-go lifestyle and adopted a slow, slow, slow one instead. I'm glad my dad joke for the episode is out the way. Now, Scott's voice is so calming and he's an absolute wealth of knowledge in the field of slowing down and taking time to connect with your breath, which is such an important part that we all don't incorporate enough into our lifestyle. Guys, we were lucky enough that Scott took us through a guided meditation during today's episode and it could just be the catalyst that you need to take time out of your day and connect with your breath more often. Now that's all from me, I'll leave it over to you, Scott. Scott Doughty, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, mate. Awesome to have you on the show. Matt, thank you so much for having me. You're joining us all the way from Singapore, I believe. Paint the picture for us a little bit, mate, what you're doing at the moment, what the weather's like, what time of the day it is. Uh, well, it's 11 a.m. here in Singapore, and I'm downtown in, uh, in the city, although Singapore is basically a giant downtown. <laughs> uh, the weather is perfect. It's, uh, let me just check my watch, it's 31 degrees. It has never been above 36, never been below 19. It's generally somewhere around 30 to 32 degrees, which is uh, just the way I like it. That sounds absolutely perfect, man. I might have to head over to Singapore and escape the uh, Melbourne winter. You'd be mad if you don't. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Scott, we've been trying to get this podcast happening for a long time, mate. You know, you were traveling down to Melbourne. You were a very busy man, as we're going to get into a bit later in the podcast. And then, you know, trying to tee up a day. I'm glad we're finally sitting down and getting this done, mate, because I, you're an absolute wealth of knowledge. And I think you have a fantastic story that a lot of my listeners can take bits and pieces out and adapt them to their lifestyle, mate. So thank you for your time. My pleasure. And, you know, I try not to be that busy. It's just that this is the perfect moment for us to do this podcast. Exactly right. Everything happens for a reason and doesn't, mate. Totally. Perfect, Scott. Now, before we go into anything further, mate, talk to us a little bit about what life was like for you growing up, just to paint a background picture for, for my listeners. Ah, growing up. Well, I'm from Melbourne and uh, I grew up in sort of the Bayside suburbs around Elwood kind of area. Uh, life was very different. I grew up in the, in the early 80s and I, 
you know, I was very, very lucky growing up in Melbourne. I had uh, went to a you know, half decent school, had a nice family. Um, what's, what's interesting about that? <laughs> the standard um, Italian dream childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the flashback memories, you know, I, I, I know, like playing sport outside and, um, I think what's interesting for me was like technology, uh, which wasn't a huge part of my very early days, but as soon as I got hold of technology, you know, probably like a Nintendo or an early computer or something, my Basically, my future was was written. You know, I was totally obsessed with technology, and and that kind of paved the way for you know the next couple of decades for me. Yeah, definitely. And take us on that road, mate. So you you know you got into the the technology scene. Um, it's evolved a, a whole lot since the Nintendo. Now that we've got you know basically a, everything we need in the palm of our hands. So talk to us a little bit about your journey and. What career did you go down? Did you did you end up, you know, involving technology heavily into your career? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I remember. So I, I had an incredible grandfather, uh, and he was a, an, an inventor. Um, he was all about land and connection with the earth. Uh, and unfortunately, he passed away too, you know, too early for me to really get to know him in my my later years, but I'll never forget, you know, he, he was in the war and he was very good with his hands. And I remember, you know, like I was obviously playing video games or maybe spending a lot of time on the computer. And he's like, you're never going to make any money pushing buttons. <laughs> and, you know, I had, I had a lot of respect for my grandfather and he taught me a lot of things. He used to, we used to build things together and he lived on a property um, so it was great to sort of get out in nature, spending time up there. Um, but he did make that point. And obviously coming from his generation, you know, it was, it was a very valid comment. But I was totally blown away with, fascinated, I guess is, is probably the, the better way to describe it, with any kind of technology. Now, what's also incredible about my grandfather is that even though he believed that um, you're never going to make money pushing buttons, he knew that I really, really wanted a computer. And we're talking back in the days where, you know, not everyone had, uh, you know, a, a computer at home and, you know, maybe sort of super privileged families had one and you might go and hang out at their house. But he knew I really wanted one. And it, against, you know, his, his own wisdom, he just saw how much I wanted it and how important it was for me. And so he bought me one. And that was the start of everything in my career, to be completely honest. So I, you know, and, and we're just talking about low level things like word processing. And then I got into building my own computers as a hobby. Uh, and what happened was then the internet came about and I was still at high school, um, spending a lot of time, you know, I didn't have internet, I had a computer. So I was going over to friends' houses using internet. And then I started building my own websites. And around, I finished high school 1999, you know, it was just before the turn of the millennium. Life was extremely exciting for me at that time. With all the buzz around uh, the new millennium, things like millennium bug and just all this kind of potential chaos that was happening. Um, I was involved in the, uh, quite heavily in, in clubbing and nightlife back then. And I, uh, cut a long story short, built this website with uh, a friend of mine called thescene.com.au. 
and it ended up being quite a popular, you know, online forum for people to come together and connect. And this was sort of long before the Facebook days and long before everyone had smartphones or even email. Um, But there was a huge community of mainly white collar professionals sitting in offices and they suddenly had this forum where they could meet. And then that turned into, uh, you know, meeting up in real life at nightclubs and dance festivals and things like that. So that's kind of how this all got started in the very early days. I'm not sure if you knew that about my past, Matt. No, I didn't, Scott. I'm actually fascinated, mate. That's that's amazing. And, you know, looking back, I uh, obviously followed your, your content for quite a while now and I listened to a few podcasts that you've been in and connection and, and relationships are a huge part of what you do. And it's interesting to see that, you know, the connection for you started at very, uh, like a young age and, and you were all about connecting people together through through a newfound technology, you know, platform. So, yeah, very fascinating to hear. Yeah, and I think that's a really good synopsis. You know, I'm not sure how conscious I was of that. Well, actually, it was a desire. You know, I I took great joy in bringing people together, um, both on the the scene, in the forum, um, and also in the real world. I probably, you know, didn't see how unique a talent that was in myself for quite some time. And it's, you know, it's something that I, I would like to do more of. Um, but yeah, that's, that's when I got started. And from there, I sold that business. I've sold my share in it. To be honest, actually, that was my first experience of burnout. Uh, when I reflect, uh, you know, nightlife and clubbing and being in that world and, you know, having bar tabs at different nightclubs every weekend and, sort of a, you know, a self-imposed obligation to be out and about and, and partying. I just ran out of steam doing that and sold my share of the business, bought a round-the-world ticket and uh, ended up living in London. Um, but that was my first experience of burnout and then, yeah, moving to do something completely different. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, experiencing that burnout, did you just want to get away from, you know, the whole scene of technology? Did you just want a fresh start? Talk to us a little bit about your, your, your mentality to move to London. Sure. I mean, it wasn't so much getting away from technology. It was more about, uh, you know, the, the, the industry that I was spending a lot of time in. And, and to be honest, just some of my own behaviours and habits. You know, I was very young. We're talking 18, 19, 20 had this exciting, you know, clubbing community that we were at the forefront of. And yeah, just, just a lot of alcohol and and (laughs) things like that. So I I wanted a break from that and, you know, saw an opportunity to to sell out of my share of the business. And I've always been a traveler, actually, you know, the, the moment I bought that round the world ticket, I, I don't feel like I've ever come back from that trip. So that was 2003, 15 years ago. My life feels like, you know, I, I, I exited that business. It wasn't a huge amount of money, but it, it was enough to get the ticket and I could go anywhere. And I, I genuinely feel like my life has been a constant adventure ever since I bought that ticket and got on that first flight. Yeah, definitely, mate. The, you know, the amount of travel that you do, you definitely have the bug for it and the experiences that you've created from, from doing that. And you're, you know, very privileged that your work enables you to experience those things and experience different cultures and um, basically live the dream, for lack of a better term. Yeah, more boldly stepping towards the life that I imagined for myself. Yeah, definitely, Scott. So I just want to, you know, paint the picture of your journey into the corporate world and, you know, 
living in that fast paced environment and the lifestyle, how do you cope with that? Cool. Great question. So yeah, I started in London working for what was, it was pretty cool. Actually, it was a Melbourne headquartered software company. So my first week on the job, they sent me back to Melbourne and it happened to be Christmas. So I was very grateful for that. Um, but no, I, I got started. It was a very exciting industry to be working in. So it was a new, you know, like most technologies delivered by a cloud these days. And, you know, in 2003, we didn't refer to it as cloud. It was software as a service. And I was working for one of the, the pioneer uh, companies in that space. Uh, to be honest, in my early 20s, I didn't, I mean, I, I loved every minute of what we're doing, you know, flying around Europe to the US, to Australia. Um, I, I had a lot of capacity to take on, you know, the pressure from that work. Um, in the early days, I was doing more back office uh, post-sales work, so making sure customers were happy. Um, it was only over the next sort of five to ten years that I transitioned to be, you know, heading up a sales organization where, you know, the pressure really started to build. And it wasn't until I ended up working in Singapore where, you know, it, it's, you're not just looking after one country, you've got multi-region. So all the way from, uh, from Indonesia all the way up to, you know, China, um, Korea, for example, you've got a responsibility of growing multiple businesses and building multiple teams and operating in multiple time zones. That's when the pressure really started to hit. Yeah, definitely, Scott. And, you know, a lot of people paint the picture of success or the picture of um, of succeeding in life is going into the corporate world and climbing that corporate ladder. And, and it is a fast-paced environment and a lot of people, you know, struggle to cope with that. It's long hours, um, you know, the commute to work takes a toll on you. So it ends up being quite a long day. And, and what was the catalyst for you turning your life from go, go, go to, you know, slow, slow, slow? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the honest answer to that is I burnt out again. Uh, I burnt out this time because I was working. I mean, the thing is, when, when you get it, when you work for these companies, these are the, the most desirable companies to work for based on, you know, most surveys. They're amazing. You get paid well. You get incredible opportunities. You work with incredible people. Uh, you know, they are incredible companies, full stop. That is quite addictive in a good way. And it, it all starts out with the best intentions. And we, you know, we, we, all, we adopt a new baseline of what our sense of well-being is and our, what our reality feels like. You know, I think what happened for me, you know, I, I spent six years with two two organizations and each of them evolved through acquisitions um, to be you know, different companies, but two separate journeys of six years each. You know, over the, that time, you can somewhat lose your sense of identity amidst your title at work. And with the amount of hours you're putting into work, you can, you can kind of get lost. Not, not within the organization. That's not what I'm saying. And more lost within who you are outside of work. Sorry, mate. I've just taken a mouthful mouth of water as you just <laughs> finished right. that statement. Great timing. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more, Scott. And we, also, we often end up in this, you know, 
routine and regime that, you know, we get up, we go to work, we come home, we repeat the same cycle every day. And we sort of, you know, lose that sense of excitement in different pillars of our life. There's another element to it as well. And, and I'm not sure this is, you know, a common experience. But for me, like what happened for me is that I got promoted into a position of responsibility that was, was quite senior. Um, and you add in the, the, the geographical responsibility, you know, opening and expanding into new markets, which, you know, wasn't, wasn't a huge part of my experience before, not, not in the way that it was required. You know, I adopted a mask or persona of who I felt I needed to be in order to do this job. And this is, you know, this is the opposite of, of vulnerability, I guess. This is, um, I guess, a way to tackle imposter syndrome. But instead of kind of accepting that there were certain areas that I really needed help with and, and asking for that help, I took the, the path of almost, I'll work it out as I go. You know, and, and there's no real right or wrong here, but it became a bit exhaustive. Uh, you know, trying to do it all myself. And yeah, I think that was also, that was part of, you know, what happened for me. You're, you're playing this persona and you forget to some degree of who you truly are. Now, to answer your question earlier, you know, I, I just burnt out. So emotion, I, was, I went through divorce as well. And I think one of the common, like, unfortunately, one of the common challenges that the the coaching clients I work with faces relationship issues. And I think the more and more that we immerse ourselves in work and lose our, you know, the, our magnificent, unique identity and become more attached to the incredible title and job that we have, uh, you know, people, there's a cause and effect. And, and for me personally, my relationship suffered and ultimately, you know, we got divorced. So that, along with you know, the challenge of my role uh, and some health issues, from, from an, which is another thing we can talk about in terms of my ways of dealing with stress, I just, I call it a catastrophic burnout and emotional, physical and mental exhaustion. And I, I had to take an extended break. Yeah, definitely, Scott. And, you know, I think a lot of the general population can actually relate with with the things that you're saying. And, and you know, we often have different ways of, of dealing with with things in our life and, and you know, turmoil and um, difficult periods. So, you know, I, re I really like how you've been so vulnerable and shared that with us, mate. Thank you so much for painting that picture. Now, you know, listening to to what you've just said, how, how did you take control of that and really you know get on the front foot was that where you found meditation talk to us a little bit what about what happened there scott sure there's another part to this as well which i think is worth bringing up whilst this was happening and whilst i felt like i i couldn't i needed this break you know i couldn't really see myself continuing in that capacity going forward what what did come up for me was a sense of excitement around doing something that I'd always dreamt was possible, but it, it always felt like it could be, it would almost be like another lifetime. 
and and this is more aligned you know what i'm referring to is doing something in around health and well-being doing possibly going and living in bali for a period of time which had been you know a dream of mine since the early days so as i was facing the reality that you know it's six it was six years to the day i almost i just burnt out completely there was a spark within me of what becomes possible if I take this break? Um, and to talk to your point about meditation, the reality is I found meditation before I reached this point. And it was very helpful. Although at the same time, it was maybe a little bit too late in my journey, partly a little bit too late. Um, because I and I had all this, I had back surgery. I like the divorce was was really taxing. So you know, I had a, I had the full force of the like three of the main things that people consider massive crisis in life. I had some death in the family. Like it was a tough year. At the same time, as I was meditating more and getting clearer about who I who I was, and the excitement built around what I could do that was more purposeful and meaningful, I just surrendered to it. You know, I just surrendered to the fact that, you know, my, like it was time to, to step out. I needed to do some healing for sure. I needed to re-educate myself, but I was heading in a direction that was the life that I was actually born to live. That's how it felt. I love it, man. Exciting and, and change is often exciting. So, you know, that explains, you know, how you transitioned from that journey. And what, what was next after that, mate? Yeah, so, you know, I'd, I'd been meditating. Um, I was interested in yoga. Um, although at the time, you know, and this is partly what led to the, the physical burnout. Um, my ways of dealing with stress, alcohol was a, was a big one, and also intense physical activity. So, you know, I was doing my meditation, but I was also doing Bikram yoga you know, long 30K runs and then 90-minute intense Bikram sessions. So I was pushing myself really hard. Um, but I wanted to explore further about yoga. It was fascinating. And I knew I needed to more deeply understand meditation. So what I did, uh, you know, I guess the more detailed version is the day I left my, my last day at work, two or three days later, so three years ago almost to the day, I got on a plane to Brazil uh, because my sister was competing in the Rio Olympics, and which was awesome. And you should chat to her if you haven't already. Yes, um, definitely. So, uh, and then I did an ayahuasca ceremony. Actually, I did a whole week of that. That was my first attempt at, you know, exploring some healing modalities. And interestingly enough, before I did any ayahuasca, while I was sitting in that in, in the middle of it was actually in Peru at that point. I opened this book and it talked about karmic paths and my birthday as referenced in that book said, you know, you're, you've explored and you're, you're skilled at lots of things, but in order to fulfill your karmic destiny, whatever they meant by that, you need to master one thing. And I knew in that moment it was meditation. And that was before I did any ayahuasca. So that's a whole other story and I, I won't go into that. But I moved to Bali and, you know, by a stroke of incredible luck, 
I got uh, a spot in this yoga teacher training, which turned out to be absolutely incredible. Um, and, that, and that was really based on the tradition of yoga. So what yoga has been for thousands of years, more so than the last couple of hundred. Um, and that, yeah, so that's what I did next. I moved there and just really worked on myself. Yeah, awesome, Scott. And, you know, before we take this podcast any further, can I just ask you what your definition of meditation is? I know meditation, you know, often is perceived differently and it's practiced differently by different people, but what's your definition of meditation? That's a really interesting question. Uh, It's funny. I think the way to think about the word meditation is almost like the word exercise. So exercise to us, you know, there's a general understanding of what exercise can do and the benefits it can bring. But we also know that exercise is really multivariate. There's lots of different ways someone can exercise. So meditation, I look at in a similar way. There's lots of different ways you can meditate and they all have different benefits. And there's lots of different perspectives you can have on meditation. To answer you, to actually answer your question, I I feel that meditation is a way to come back to you. Put simply, it's a way to reconnect with what we truly are, which is beyond form, beyond our body, and in doing so. It's a way to quieten the mind, bring the body into a state of rest. It also opens up, you know, clarity around what we may want to do, what's really important to us. So it's very difficult for me to put a simple definition of meditation. It's, It's actually a whole category of tools and techniques and processes that can deliver different benefits. Yeah, amazing. I, I love the, the calming nature of your voice, Scott. It's really making me present and, and you know, I'm doing a form of meditation while actually listening to you speak, mate. So there, that follows on from your, your comment before that meditation can be in many different realms and it's practiced differently by many, but practiced differently by different people. So how do you practice, Scott? And, and what's some practical tips for the listeners out there to, to be able to begin their med- meditation and where can they start if they've never you know, sat still for longer than five minutes. Yeah, sure thing. Um, you know, just, you know, how I answered your previous question, you know, it's, it's a little, it's kind of deep and it's not usually how I position meditation to my corporate clients, for example, but you know, I'm just being really honest here. Like that's, that's what I get when I meditate. I get a chance to, you know, to reconnect with my sense of who I truly am and the beauty of that is no matter what's going on in the world, I can come back to this place and almost hit the reset button. So, and, and I can be anywhere. So in terms of tips, uh, actually, sorry, you asked me what, what do I do? So I, I, I started practicing a technique which is rooted. It, it's similar to transcendental meditation, if you've heard of that. Um, no. it's, it's a very simple. You haven't heard of this? No, I haven't. It, it's, so Transcendental Meditation is a brand name. It's an organization. But the, the technique that they practice and have done incredible work on researching and 
and publicizing is it's a it's a practice that you do on your own. Um, you can listen to audio, and there's there's an app that I'll tell you guys about that uh, that you can learn a technique, the technique that I practice. Uh, and it's you know I won't go into it because I guess then basically I'm starting to teach it, and it's probably a, a bit bit beyond the podcast. Um, to to tie up my last point, I personally feel that the guided meditations that you get on on apps like Calm and Headspace, they're, they're effective, but know that there are deeper, more transformative practices around and that not all meditation is the same. Yeah, definitely, May. And, you know, it's, again, touched on our point before that it's a, it's a spectrum, isn't it, of meditation and there's many different forms and there's many different practices. So, yeah, I, I love that, mate. So I guess that leads me into my next question. You sort of touched on it before about how you, you know, you coach meditation for your corporate clients. Talk to us a little bit about what you're doing at Radiant Wellbeing and, and yeah, take us through what you do there. Sure thing. So, you know, my background is I was a, a VP heading up, a division of a of an incredible software company. Um, so I felt what it's like to you know run a million miles an hour, be busy hiring, be busy trying to close deals, reporting up to you know um, bosses all over the world. So I, I when I went to Bali, I had a great time there and and thought, gee, I could just stay here. But I felt called to come back. Came back to Singapore, and a lot of the people that I'd hired over the years. We're now getting management jobs and I was I could see the stress that they were under. And I realized I had a job to do. I had a job to help these people avoid what I went through. Not everyone has the luxury of going to Bali for a year. Uh, they've got families and bills and um, mortgages and things like that. So, you know, I, I came back and I've started working one-on-one, primarily with sales leaders in the tech space. That's my, that's where I've niched to start with. And what I, what I do is I, I'm also certified as a, as a coach. Uh, and so I'm looking at the whole person. I'm not so interested in them as a leader. I'm interested in them as a whole person across the full spectrum of life because fulfillment and satisfaction and, and happiness is not always related to career and finance. And you know, I did this very basic exercise of Wheel of Life. You've, you've probably all done something similar. And it's remarkable how a lot of my clients score really high on finance and career. And you know, a lot of the other life categories are, are pretty bumpy. You know, there, there hasn't been a lot of thought put into some of them. So that, that's what I do at the moment is I, I help leaders sort of reimagine success across the full spectrum of life. I then infuse meditation training, which is just amazing at what happens after a couple of sessions when I teach you know, a very busy, important leader the power of being self-sufficient in meditation. And, you know, they, be, they, they it's not like I'm teaching them, I'm guiding them each week. That's not really the goal. I'm teaching them to be self-sufficient. So coming back to tips, you know, I work with some of the busiest people I've ever met and they've got families as well. So even finding 10 to 15 minutes at home, they laugh. Like, that's just not going to happen, Scott. You know, from the minute my eyes, my, you know, open my eyes in the morning till I'm in the office, it's, it's chaos. 
so we, we find time and, and you know here's some tips like you don't have to always have a quiet place to meditate i've got a client that found that the, the you know the 15 minute taxi ride to work was amazing time to to go within and when he arrived at the office he was unbelievably present uh, and just ready for the day versus just scrolling news for 15 minutes i have clients that meditate as soon as they get to the office so that you know some offices are now building quiet spaces that works for them so i want to go back and acknowledge your your, your question around tips and I'll tell you a bit more about what I do with Radiant. You know, meditation, like I said, is so many things. And mindfulness is a whole other subject. But even just stopping to take a breath, like I'm going to do right now because I'm talking a lot. <laughs> but let, let's do this right now, Matt, and everyone else. Like, take a deep breath in through the nose into the belly right now. Now take further breath into the chest. And let's just hold the breath. And release. Now that alone changes how you feel. You do that three to six times before a meeting, after a meeting, before lunch, even just one deep conscious breath can bring awareness back to, you know, bring you out of autopilot is probably a better way to put it. And you can ask yourself, what's most important right now? And if you're scrolling on news or Instagram or staring at your email, maybe that's not the most important thing. Or maybe it is in that moment. But that, that can be how you start meditating. You know, that's a mindfulness technique. But, you know, if you haven't done anything like that, just use your breath. It's the fastest way to change how you feel. Definitely. And we breathe involuntarily every day without us even thinking about it. So actually taking the time to, you know, think about it and connect with it is so powerful. And even after that one deep breath, it took five seconds and you name me a person that can't find five seconds throughout their day to breathe. It, I just feel so much lighter and so much, you know, present, so much more present to, to the rest of this podcast, mate. I was sitting there scribbling my name in bubble writing on the sheet of paper <laughs> written your questions and now I'm actually, you know, being a hundred percent present and listening to what you're saying a lot more intensively. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that with us, mate. And guys, you know, those are simple things that you can apply to your lifestyle whenever you're feeling a stressful situation coming on. Like a, a common one that I tell a lot of my listeners, a lot of my clients is when you're stuck in traffic and you, you're about to get on that horn, just take a deep breath and, and, really control your emotions and that's a practical way that you can apply yoga and meditation to your lifestyle without being on the mat or being in a quiet space with your legs crossed and your your arms making your fingers making circles saying hum that's a practical way to meditate totally and we're talking about you know bringing this stuff into the the real world and i still practice i practice formal meditations so i you know I, i get up it's one of the first things i do I do a 20 minute practice in the morning and I'm getting much better at doing 20 minutes in the evening. But that, that's kind of, that's the pinnacle of that technique. And that's a technique that I've been practicing for four years. I teach it now. Uh, you know, and, and if that sounds like a huge amount of time, that's fine. You can start with breathing. If you want to dive further and learn the technique that I'm talking about, 
you know, at a minimum, that's probably going to be a 10 minute investment, ideally 15 to 20. But uh, what, you know, what happens is when you start practicing this technique, I'd say nine, 95% of my students experience this. It, it's unbelievably transformative. You know, and their, their staff go, what have you been doing? Their partner, their family are like, wow, what, what, are, what are you doing? And it becomes not a chore that you need to schedule. It's something you're like, shit, I wish I could do this more than 20 minutes a day because this is amazing. You know what I mean, Matt? Definitely. I couldn't agree more, man. And, you know, it's an investment in your health that doesn't involve any finances. You know, it just involves a little bit of your time. And we often are quick to jump at things, talking a, a whole collective population here, we're quick to jump to things that, you know, spend money on things like the new iPhone or, you know, a new pair of shoes. But, you know, when it comes investing in our health, we often second guess it and question it when it should, should be the other way around. We should be, you know, investing in our health, whether that's financially or, you know, with our time. And then the other things are a byproduct. So I, I think in terms of overall long lifestyle regime and promoting longevity and sustainability through everything that you're doing, taking five minutes at a minimum is, is just a given to, you know, be able to perform your daily tasks more efficiently. Yeah. And you know, like there's a lot of apps that you can learn to meditate from as well. And I think, you know, that's how, to, to be honest, that's how I got started. I just happened to pick um, an, an app called one giant minds, which I'm, I'm happy to mention. You know, that, that is a really amazing app. It was built in Australia. It's now headquartered in New York. It's free. Um, and if you just Google One Giant Mind in any variation, you'll find it. Uh, so that, that's an incredible app. Now, you know, I teach in person and the people I teach, they've probably been given a free app through work, you know, Headspace or Calm. They may or may not have, have downloaded it, but they certainly haven't stuck with it. So th there does come a time in a certain type of person, depending on, you know, where they're at, that working some, with someone one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I love working with people one-on-one -on -one because, you know, they're making an investment. They're making an investment. They want to get results. And it's, it's incredible. Even the most skeptic, you know, um, business people, when I teach them this technique, because they've made an investment, because we've sort of mapped out the path forward, where they want to go, and we've identified some of the challenges they're trying to address, they are committed. So I, I think, you know, my message there is what, whatever it takes. If an app works for you, great. Um, if you want to get a bit, be a bit more skillful and get some feedback from someone that's, you know, that's a, a teaching professional, then, then go and get some advice. Like the sooner you make that investment in time and or money is going to give you exponential benefits for the rest of your life. I couldn't agree more there, Scott. And on the app front, mate, I, uh, I use an app called Insight Timer, just a cheeky little plug for you guys out there. And you've recently just started uh, teaching on Insight Timer. So for the listeners at home, can you take us through what Insight Timer is and, and you know, how you, how you use the app and, and um, where to find your meditation on the app? Sure. Yeah, so I, um, I found Insight Timer, like, actually, like many of my students, I've probably had the app installed on my phone for a year or two. And then I was looking for a, an app that I could give my students. So I teach, you know, I teach meditation one-on-one in groups and I wanted to give them an app that they could go home and, and use. And Insight Timer is, is the best. So I've now adopted it and 
I've since set myself up as a teacher. Now, primarily, I, I've got a, a track on there that I, I put together for my students, but I will start recording some more guided tracks. Um, and if you just search for Insight Timer, the beauty of this app is that, you know, there's a free component. You can just use it as a timer and it will give you some incredible background music and, and you know, a nice calm chime to, to bring you out of meditation, which is how I practice. But if you're just getting started, there's lots of courses in how to begin meditating. And there's like 25,000 free tracks. So, you know, everything you could ever possibly want to know or learn or experience about meditation is within the Insight Timer app. Definitely, Scott. That's such a um, a great summary of of that. And I will have the application link in the show notes for you guys that just want an easy access over to them. Now, Scott, taking you know a a little bit of a backpedal in terms of the conversation, you in the corporate world, you touched on it a little bit before. We often, and not just the corporate world, in in life in general, we define success as you know mainstream's population definition is you know being the richest or you know having the best car or the or the biggest house or you know living the dream, finishing uni when you're 22, and and all that sort of stuff. How can we change the definition? And and what's your definition of success? Oh, that's a great question. It's something that's constantly evolving as well. I'll, I'll, the first part, the first part, I, I think we need to recognize that, you know, we've grown up. Well, I can take this one step further. You know, we, we we're, you know, we're an, we're an animal species, right? Like we're, we're, um, we're living in an environment that's relatively new. So everything that you've grown up to know has, you know, in terms of the way we live and organize ourselves, like, you know, a company's made up, a country's made up, all of the way that we, we structure our societies is made up. And, you know, the, the human machine, the human animal is like a highly evolved being, but our evolution takes a lot longer than our advances in technology. So where I'm going with this is, first of all, just recognizing that, the ideas we have around success are, you know, also new, you know, maybe hundreds of years, you know, centuries in terms of, you know, pursuing wealth and things like that and, and, and assets. Um, but it hasn't always been that way and it won't always be that way. And I think the, we've been fed ideas around, you know, what success looks like and, and obviously marketers have done a great job in, you know, giving us great ways to show our success, our definition of success. But, but it, it, it changes over time. And I think also as we get older, you know, I've noticed a trend, you know, value shifting from, you know, this pursuit of, I guess, ways to demonstrate how successful I am and more so attaching my happiness to things that I acquire. You know, I think that was probably the initial model of success that, that I was fed or I believed in, rightly or wrongly. I know not everyone shares that view. And move, moving to something that's more meaningful. And if you look at some shifts that are happening in the world right now, it feels like there is a huge move towards meaning. And I, I can only imagine that, you know, before the, 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 the industrial revolution, the agricultural revolution, 
our whole life pretty much revolved around meaning and survival, you know, like looking after your family, looking after your tribe. Like we, we had a lot of purpose in life, even if it was just, you know, hunting, gathering, protecting, whatever, like that was us not that long ago in an evolutionary sense. So we lost a lot of that. We became machines in, even if you're working in a corner office, you're still sort of basically in a shiny cage, uh, trading your time for money and not spending it with the people that are probably most important to you. So success going forward, I think, you know, forward-thinking organisations are ensuring they have meaning in the first place. And if it's not in the work the company primarily does, it's in the work that the, the organisation does together to help the community. Um, and then I think at a personal level, we, we've, we've now got this incredible opportunity where we can do, we can do meaningful work you know, whether in a job or in our own business. But that, that for me is successful. Being able to live the life that I want to live, make a positive impact and, and leave the place, leave the world a better place is, 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 is how I'm currently defining success. Yeah, I absolutely love that definition, mate. And you, you know, you're making such a great impact on a, on a large scale without, you know, you even realising or getting the recognition that you do deserve mate so i really love everything that you're doing and and i guess that leads into my next question about knowing everything that you do now and and you know living all the experiences that you have lived what would you say to scott stepping in for his first day in the corporate world knowing what you do now ah well one thing I have observed is that you know, I think I, I grew up with this notion of, you know, there's corporate and there's not corporate. And I spent a lot of time in Bali with yoga people and they talk about corporate people, but look, we're all the same, really. At the end of the day, we're all the same. And what I would tell my, my young, younger self stepping into that world is, you know, bring forth what's unique about you. You know, you don't hide what is uh you know even even the quirky sides of things if if you're into yoga you know bring that bring that into your work and leadership you know share a class or even just share what you're interested in you know we no longer have to fit this corporate mold um it, it's actually what's unique about you that makes you more valuable to the business you know it's it's people want authentic connection and you know, leadership is evolving to being powered by authenticity, vulnerability, and compassion. So I would, I would tell my younger self to, you know, don't hide, don't, don't hide the light. You know, make it shine brighter, and you know, don't sacrifice unnecessarily because no one's really asking you to. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to sacrifice your health in the name of getting the job done. You know, you, you, the, comp the company wants you to be healthy and happy and sustain your performance over a long period of time. So you, you have permission to look after yourself. I really love that final comment that you just said, mate. You have permission to look after yourself because, you know, 
we live in our body each and every day. That is, that is the most important thing that we look after. And when it's all said and done and, you know, when we're coming to the end of our life and we're often sitting there and we're reflecting, that's the only thing that, you know, we've got to show for it. So really loving yourself and, and nourishing your body and, and, you know, like treating it like this is a cliche t- comment here, but treating your body like a temple because it is. Totally. Now, Scott, mate, I absolutely love everything that you're about. I can't thank you enough for, for your time today and, and, you know, taking us through that guided meditation halfway through the podcast. I think that's such a useful, useful resource and, and maybe the Kickstarter that some of my listeners needed just to, you know, get into meditation and, and find a realm that they can do in their, in their lifestyle. And, you know, just to sum up basically everything, what you're saying, you're helping people you know, find their truest self and, and the way you're doing that is through the power of meditation. So, you know, uh, I can't thank you enough for your time, mate. Before we wrap up the podcast, where can someone get in contact with you? And um, if they resonated with anything, I'm sure you're, you're more than happy to, to shoot them a message or answer any questions. Yeah, of course. Have. Yeah, so uh, the best way, I mean, my, my website's scottdoughty.com, D-O-U-G-H-T-Y, and you can put the link in the show notes, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I, I sort of present a bit more behind the scenes um, of my life there. So that's uh, at Scott Radiant, S-C-O-T-T-R-A-D-I-A-N-T. Uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot now. So I'd love you to connect with me there or follow me there. Uh, I'm sharing videos and tips and, um, you know, that's where you'll hear about some of the projects I'm involved in. Uh, but look, any of those ways, my email address is scott at scottdaddy.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if, if, if you're meditating in, and you're working in a corporate environment and you'd like to bring it to a broader audience, I'd love to support that. If you want to work with me one-on-one, more than happy to. I operate in Asia and Australia. I run retreats. Uh, if you want to come on your own or bring your whole team, um, I just want to be of service and help you know professionals you know thrive at work but also make sure that their their home life is also incredible as well um that's really the mission that i'm on yeah definitely scott you answered my next question mate about your main message you've um you've hit the nail nail on the head there my friend so um i'll definitely have all those details in the show notes now before we wrap up is there anything i've missed or any final comments you'd you'd like to leave uh, the audience with I think I think I'd, I've done way enough talking. Maybe we can just do a, another little guided process just to have an experience of connecting with our breath in a slightly different way. I love it. Over to you, my friend. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're driving, obviously don't do this, but, you know, anywhere else, if you can take a comfortable seated position, ideally with your back, lower back supported, and your hands can go anywhere, but maybe just put them on your lap, wherever it's comfortable. And if you're standing up on the train or something like that, that's okay too. Just stay there and just gently, let's all shut our eyes. We'll take another deep breath in like before. So in through the nose, into the belly. Take further breath into the chest. Hold the breath. And release through the nose and mouth.
and just return to a very normal, natural breathing rhythm. And just bring your awareness to the breath. Just become aware of it coming in through your nostrils and out through the nostrils. Now feel the breath coming in through the nose all the way in and around the body, revitalizing you, recharging you, filling you with oxygen. Just be aware of the breath in and out. If you get distracted by an outside noise or start thinking about something else, just gently come back to the breath. Now take a deep breath in through the nose once again. I'll hold the breath. And release. And as soon as you're ready, gently open your eyes. I think I'll wrap up there, Matt. I'll leave you guys with the yeah, the after effects of that very short breath meditation. Wow, mate, I feel incredible. I won't talk too much longer, guys, but yeah, thank you again, Scott. That was such a great finishing point for me and, and all the listeners out there, guys. I hope you are feeling the, the benefits that that little taste of meditation can can bring to your life and hopefully that sparks something bigger and greater that you can suit you know you can adjust to suit your lifestyle so thanks again for your time scott my pleasure brother thanks for having me and that's this week's dose of euphoria connect with myself and the euphoria health community on instagram or facebook at euphoria health through these channels you'll find cool workouts plant-based recipes and daily challenges Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, and remember, don't settle for anything less than euphoria.